This is Chris. Welcome to the surprise return of Phoenix Resurrects Lapsed. This is episode six, and I was going to say that uh, this is the final episode, but frankly, I'm not sure if it will be. Um, a funny thing happened to me about, well, about an hour ago. I had already had the notes for this episode all done, all ready to go, and uh, the wife and I were out, and... I took the opportunity to pop in on a used bookstore and hit up their cheapo bins. And as I'm flipping through, I come across a book with the very familiar Phoenix Resurrection logo on it. And I thought for sure it must have just been a uh, variant cover or something. But in fact, it was not. It was a Phoenix Resurrection tie-in. It was the final issue of the Jean Grey series, Jean Grey number 11, which... uh, I probably should be covering today and saving the book that we will be covering until next time, but, uh, well, I'm running very, very late. <laughs> this, uh, these notes are already done, um, and so we're just gonna, we're gonna do this one first. Uh, we're gonna be talking about the epilogue to Phoenix Resurrection here, a bridging issue, the bridge between Phoenix Resurrection number five and X-Men Red number one. Now, this is the X-Men Red Annual, number one, and before we get into it here, I'd like to talk a little bit about X-Men Red. Now, X-Men Red is the uh, Tom Taylor series, um, and the one color book that uh, folks seem to really, uh, in great number, look back on with fondness and feel as though uh, there was a loss when it went away. Like, blue and gold kind of ran their course, but red... People seem to really, really miss Red. Um, And it was the book that I was always told that I ought to check out by folks who knew me and knew that I was an X-Men fan or a, I guess, lapsed X-Men fan at the time because I had dropped out during the Blue and Gold days. Uh, The Red book was always just one that people told me I should take a look at. And uh, it's funny because the issue we're going to be discussing today, this isn't the first time I've read it. Because uh, I actually did read this I was asked to be on a podcast Uh, A friend of mine has a podcast Or had a podcast several years ago I guess it would be like About two and a half years ago And knowing I was an X-Men fan Asked if I would come on and talk about an X-Book And although I told him I hadn't read an X-Book in quite some time He just asked if I would So I did And that book was X-Men Red Annual Number 1 And boy howdy did I hate it I uh, I didn't read it with any any sort of context that might be necessary. Um, I found Gene to be especially uh, unpleasant to read, 
And uh, there was that one page, or a couple of pages actually, the uh, the hot dog pages. The hot dog pages, which at the time I read these hot dog pages, and we're going to get to the hot dog pages before long, but uh, it totally turned me off. I, I don't think I could allow myself to enjoy anything that came after it because it was just that cringy a scene, that horrible a scene. And we're going to cover it, so you'll you'll see just how cringy and awful this scene is. Uh, you may not believe it, but it's a... Uh, it's really, really bad. So I'm on this show, and I'm talking about X-Men Red, and I won't shut up about this hot dog scene. I just go on and on and on about this. I, I barely talk about anything else in the book, just how much I hated the hot dog scene. And I might be overselling it here because it's really not that big a deal. It's just a stupid scene, but I was just so up my own ass. It was just like, I can't get past it. <laughs> And I uh, must have ranted about that page for many, many minutes And, uh, you know, it isn't often that I'll do a show And when it's time to get up and leave the mic That I feel like I did a really rotten job Uh, We all have our off days, right? I mean, even the best of us have have bad days behind the mic Um, and in fact, that was a bad day behind the mic for me When, uh, As soon as I was done with it, I was like, man, I really did every fan of this book The writer of this book, I did this entire book a disservice And, uh, you know, I was... I think someone was smiling on me that day Because about an hour later, I got a text from this fellow who I was doing the show with And he said, the recording was corrupted So uh, he wouldn't be able to, to upload it And I... You know, secretly fist-pumped, and I was happy and (laughs) so pleased that uh, my horrible performance was not going to be uh, unleashed upon the world Because I wouldn't shut up about a scene that, uh, well, we're going to talk about uh, in just a few minutes here So let's get right into it This is X-Men Red Annual Number 1 at a July 2018 cover date, written by Tom Taylor with art by Pascal Alix, or Alixe Colors, Chris Sotomaya, letters, VCs, Corey Petit, edits, Bisa, Harrington, Panitia, White, Sabolski, with special thanks to Mike O'Sullivan and Stuart Vandrell. Cover price, $5, went on sale May 30th of 2018. And we open with a montage. You know, Jean Grey, she was the phoenix, so, so I, I guess that's the version we're going with now. Gotta ask, are any of us clear on whether or not she was or wasn't the phoenix? Or was like she she the phoenix except for the time when phoenix was killing the asparaguses? I don't think we're supposed to think too hard about it, and I'll try my best not to. Anyway, Jean was the phoenix, then she died. And this is referring to the only time that she really died, at the end of the Morrison run. And uh, we see all of our characters there in their Morrison-era costumes in this panel uh, where she dies. So, Jean was phoenix, then she died... And now she's back. And perhaps she's in her ugliest costume ever, because her X-Men Red costume is horrid. Uh, Also, she wants to change the world. She wants the world to change. From here we get our double-page spread of creds with our roll call. It's Jean Grey, of course. Nightcrawler. Trinary, or Trinary, who I don't think is actually in this issue. Wolverine, which is to say X-23. And Honey Badger. All right, so with our preamble out of the way, 
We go right back to the end of Phoenix Resurrection, the return of Jean Grey number five. Jean's alive, and she's surrounded by a bunch of her old friends and teammates. And well, you know, before we get into the scene itself, I hate doing this, I hate saying this, but here is where the art kind of drives right off the bridge. And yeah, this is only the second page of actual story here. Uh, These characters are ugly. Uh, Jean's face looks like a partially melted candle. Uh, Expressions on all the characters' faces are almost scarily exaggerated here. It looks like Kitty Pride might have been knocked with, like, the Joker gas here. Just such a horrid smile. Not pleasant to look at, and it uh, only gets worse from here. Okay, so Jean's back. And initially, her pals are all kind of scared. But that soon passes, and they gather in for a big group hug. Now, she looks around, and she's filled in on some of the goings-on in X-Land since she left it. And I'm glad that we don't linger too long on this, and uh, we don't actually get any specifics. We just see Jean reacting, which is fine. I mean, though, it probably would have been nicer had Jean not been drawn to look like a melting candle, but we, we can't have everything. Then she spots Old Man Logan, and thankfully we get this scene out of the way early, though I gotta say Jean comes across like kind of a jerk here. Logan extends his hand and says, Yeah, I'm Logan, just not your Logan. To which Jean replies, I'm Jean, and I was never yours. Really? That feels like needlessly adversarial, doesn't it? I mean, of course, they didn't know this at the time, but I mean, in our current Hoxpox Docs books, uh, she and Logan are banging in hot tubs. I mean, the other Logan. Whatever it is. I did not care for this. This felt needlessly antagonistic. Um, I don't know if they're trying to prove something here. It just... It just didn't feel right to me. Now, finally, Nightcrawler pops over and asks Jean if she'd like to go home. And Jean would, presumably leaving all of their friends behind in the middle of the New Mexico desert. They bamf away to the Xavier Institute of Cosmetology, Dermatology, and Dentistry in Central Park. There, Jean learns that for a while, the place was named after her. This was, of course, during the Wolverine and the X-Men run. And she finds this touching to the point where it's kind of overwhelming... Too bad the art just makes it look like she really, really needs to find a bathroom. Okay, now the scene happens. This is the scene. Some asshole throws a perfectly good hot dog at Nightcrawler while being a boilerplate mutant-phobic. Jean freezes the dog in the air, and Nightcrawler grabs it, takes a bite, and, oh lord, he proclaims that it tastes like, quote, mustard and bigotry. So much for it being a perfectly good hot dog. Uh, First, never, ever put mustard on a hot dog. I don't even let let mustard in my house. Never. Also, you probably don't want to have bigotry in your recipes, so it's a double whammy. But how about we talk about how stupid and baity this uh, line is here? Uh, Like, this strikes me as, uh, you know, that sort of page where the writer is kind of patting themselves on the back after writing it knowing that there's going to be like a legion of fans of the LOL random type of humor that'll plop this thing all over social media. And I mean, that's exactly how I felt about it when I saw it in 2018. I mean, this is really bad. Uh, Nightcrawler here, he doesn't speak like an adult here. Um, You know, this this asshole throws the hot dog, Gene freezes it, Nightcrawler looks at it, and he like smugly comments, well, that's a thing. 
Huh? And then the LOL random mustard and bigotry line? Come on. I mean, aren't there younger, dumber ex-characters who could have said those lines? Just awful. But we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Gene then flips out on this bigot, publicly doxing him, telling him all about his life in front of a group of witnesses. Then she has her own dumbass line. She says, You could have not picked a worse time to come at me and my friends with... A bun full of processed meat and intolerance. Really? I, I, I beg your indulgence here. Say that line out loud. A bun full of processed meat and intolerance. It might actually be worse than Nightcrawler's line. And it's something that no human should or ever has said. It's just rotten. She then tells the bigot to go home and learn something, and then she psychically sends away all the looky-loos, which seems more like something Professor Xavier would do. Uh, Is this the newer, tougher, take-no-nonsense gene that uh, we've heard so much about? Because if you ask me, she just seems like someone so unpleasant I don't really want to read about her. There's kind of an overcorrection here, you know? It's... Alright, let's move on. Gene then enters the mansion in order to chat up Rachel who I swear when I first glanced at this page, I thought she was sitting on a toilet. The art here, in addition to ugly, melty faces, uh, we've got some very stilted and stiff poses here. Rachel literally looks as though she's on a toilet. Now, she and Jean have an awkward reunion, and honestly, I'm trying to think of a time when I recall them having any sort of meaningful one-on-one time together. Maybe you guys can help me out there. I can't think a whole lot of it. Though, it is worth noting, for a while, Rachel was going by the surname Gray instead of Summers. Maybe we're not supposed to remember that. Now, Jean suggests that they don't speak. They just lower their defenses and allow whatever is going to happen to take its course. And so next we know the redheads are in flight together and they're all smiles. We find out that they're headed to X-23's place. Jean's never met her and would really like to, since uh, she's part of Logan. You know, the the guy she never belonged to. So, uh, it's not long before they arrive. And so they do. And when they do, X-23 is pretty unimpressed with Jean and makes sure to ask her not to invade her mind. Seems like she's got some experience with the time-displaced teen Jean who seemingly couldn't help but to invade minds. And Jean agrees not to get all up in her business. Then, Gabby shows up. And, you know, I don't think that I've ever read anything with Honey Badger in it before. Now, she is starstruck that friggin' Jean Grey is alive, well, and sitting on their couch. So, she's like a fangirl character, then? Yeah, whatever she is, she's quite annoying. She asks Jean to guess what she's thinking, and Jean does, and it becomes a little bit of a gag over the next couple of pages. Jean tells Laura what she's got planned, and uh, X-23 suits up, telling Jean that she's coming with. Gabby wants to go too, but is told to stay behind with her wildebeest, or whatever the hell thing she's got there. So now, where are they headed? Well, I'm glad you asked. They're actually heading to the most boring place in the universe. New Adelin, or Attilan, home of the most boring people in the universe, the Inhumans. Now, upon arrival, they're met by Black Bolt and Lockjaw. The former immediately goes on the offensive, and... You know, considering his past with the X-Men, I don't think I can blame him all that much. It's worth noting, or maybe it's not, but the art becomes spectacularly ugly here. 
we get a two-page spread consisting of three large panels, and you almost gotta see them in, in one. The one all the way on the right. It looks like Gene is sitting on an imaginary toilet. I, I don't know what it is with Pascal Alix in this pose, but like this like seated pose with like a strained look on their face. This is unpleasant stuff. Maybe they're just doing like hovering chair, the uh, yoga position. I don't know. Now, after a bit of a skirmish, Jean is able to convince the Inhumans that she's not here to do any harm. And so she and Black Bolt go for a stroll. Along the way, she shows him everything that's in her mind, all the times that she's spent with Scott, Logan, the Professor, the X-Men, all the stuff. She tells him that pieces of her mind are spread all over the place. Even as they speak, she's part of her is with her friends, part of her is with Honey Badger, and she's even with that hot dog hurling jack-off. Uh, she's with them all because she wants to protect them all. Black Bolt says via Jean's telepathy, What do you need from me? Which I guess is a pretty valid question. Jean tells Black Bolt that she needs him to speak. There's something she needs him to say. And he reminds her that he cannot do that. And so Jean asks him to do so by using her voice. What this comes down to is Black Bolt apologizing for Marvel's horrible and dunderheaded editorial edict that attempted and failed to promote the Inhumans over the X-Men. He then says, don't worry, Axel Alonso has already been fired. And Gene smiles broadly. Okay, that didn't happen. He does apologize, though. He apologizes for the Terrigan mists, all that kind of stuff here. He just says he's sorry. He doesn't really specify for what he's sorry for. It's one of those situations where he's probably just sorry for everything. We move on, and we next join Jean in her awful X-Men red costume, standing before Scott Summers' grave, where we recently found out during X-Labs the Nation that Scott ain't even buried there. Now, she tells him that she's going to change the world and only wishes they could have done so together. Then, the wrap-up, where Rachel is psychically assaulted by Cassandra Nova, which is a direct lead-in to X-Men Red number 1, even though this annual came out between X-Men Red number 4 and 5. But that's that. So how about we talk about it? I didn't care for it. I didn't care for, for this one bit. Um, it was ugly. It was kind of up its own ass. Um, you know, we, we changed Gene... From the, you know, the sort of like X-Men Den Mother role Into this new sort of iteration here She's not going to be defined as Cyclops' wife She's going to be defined as her own person here I'm fine with that I'm fine with that But the polar opposite of Den Mother Shouldn't be unpleasant asshole And that's kind of the feeling I got from Jean in this issue here Granted, I don't have the context for the rest of the X-Men Red book You know, the actual 1 through 11 or whatever it is Maybe she was depicted a lot better there. Maybe she was depicted a lot more even keel there. But here, she just felt needlessly adversarial and just unpleasant. Um, Also, this Inhumans thing feels a little bit pointless. Um, I mean, Death of X and Inhumans vs. X-Men was already a couple years old at this point. And I'm not sure why we want to dredge that up again here, because... My my memories of Death of X and IVX, um, I don't think that they're first-hand memories here. I, I, 
I, I know I flipped through them, and I could swear I read them, but uh, the more I hear about them, the more I'm thinking that either I dreamt that I read them or I blocked them out of my memory. But when I do think back to it, as much as I care for the X-Men and as much as I couldn't care less about the Inhumans, one thing I think I can say about it is neither side came out of that looking good. The Inhumans didn't look good. The X-Men did not look good. It was, I mean, the Inhumans unleashed toxic Terrigen mists, right? Then Emma Frost killed a whole bunch of Inhumans in, in the name of, uh, you know, Cyclops there. It's just a net negative for everyone involved, and probably one of those stories that it'd be best not to really dwell on. And, you know, I get that Gene's upset, but this comes across as, like, a very selfish act to get closure on a terrible situation that she wasn't even a part of, and for the most part was just done, you know? Just opening a weird and unnecessary can of worms that, who's it gonna help? I, I... I get why they would want her to do this, but I, I don't see I don't see the benefit, as, I guess is what I'm saying. I think if this was truly to be an epilogue of, uh, of Phoenix Resurrection, we should have seen more of Jean with uh, those closest to her. Um, the opening pages were fine, uh, up until Kurt, you know, bamps them back to Central Park, leaving all their friends behind, which <laughs> feels... Very, very strange. Uh, all these people were just so happy that Jean's here, and then she just bugs out and, and leaves. It just doesn't strike me as something Jean uh, would do upon returning from the dead after being gone for quite a while and being caught up on everything that went on, and then just be like, okay, peace out, I'm, I'm leaving. And of course, that leads to the hot dog scene, which I'm not going to talk about anymore. Suffice it to say, I hated it. I don't think it did anybody any favors. I feel like it was retweet bait at best and just uh, horrendously misguided at worst. Just not a good scene. A lot of the drama felt manufactured. Uh, I would, you know, I think I would get that there would be a little bit of tension between Rachel and Jean, though I couldn't tell you why. Outside of the obvious, just, you know, this is an alternate future daughter of Jean. Okay, that's that's like it's not anybody's fault, you know. I I don't know. It just felt very manufactured. The tension here, and I feel like it was just there to facilitate Cassandra Nova getting into Rachel's mind at the end. Which I mean, fair play, whatever. But uh, I didn't really feel any sort of uh, genuine emotion or genuine feelings. Um, in their scene together, where it could have been something special, but instead it was. Uh, very superficial, and I think it uh, deserved better. If we're gonna, if we're going to focus on the relationship between Rachel and Jean, then focus on it. You know, don't just uh, cop out and be like, "Yeah, let's not talk." And the next panel, they're just smiling. I don't know. Just didn't feel, didn't didn't feel right to me here. I, and I mean, this is an annual, and annuals are half the time they are just page filler, right? I mean. There's stories that you can't fit anywhere else or you wouldn't want to fit in the middle of a regular story, so you just put them there, and that's kind of what we get here. Uh, one last thing. I mentioned it as we went through the issue, but the art here was uh, not pleasant, and I hate saying that because the world's better than anything I can do, and I'm not like a art critic, uh, any legit sort of uh, art critic, but 
I know what I like, and I know what I don't. And uh, after the first page, I did not like this. The first page looked really good. It really did. Um, then uh, everybody's faces turned to melting candles, and they got into these like weird, you know, weird tense um, poses, and just uh, not pleasant to look at. And I mean, if you ask me, not all that pleasant to read. So uh, it would have been nice to wrap up the look into Phoenix Resurrection on a higher note or a nicer note. Hell, we still might if we do that Jean Grey issue next time out. But uh, yeah, wasn't wasn't a fan of this. It doesn't inspire me to read X Men Red, um, though I, I I'm sure I will at some point. But uh, this doesn't make me want to. It doesn't make me make me excited to. Which is a shame, because I'd heard so many good things about it. I This is one of those books where it's like, I say it's, you know, it's not you, it's me. You know, maybe I'm just incapable of enjoying this, where everybody else can and everybody else should. And perhaps maybe I should too, but I just can't, uh, can't bring myself to do it. But we'll see. Maybe one of these days we'll revisit X-Men Red, and hopefully I'll be able to see what all the hubbub is all about here and just... Uh, Kind of cross the annual off the list as an anomaly I'm hoping that's the case But um, if you agree or disagree, I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, You could find me a few different ways if you'd like to You could find me on Twitter at Ace Comics Or you could shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com You could find blog posts and show notes over at chrisisoninfiniteearths.com Also xlapsed.chrisisoninfiniteearths.com you could find us on Facebook and chat us up about whatever you'd like at 90s X-Men. That's our little group. And uh, you could find all the Chris and Reggie noise you want at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. Well, I suppose that's uh, where we'll put a pin in it for today. Um, I would like to thank you all so much for sharing your time with me. And uh, till next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.